and welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. We're back here for 2022. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoff. C70 is about at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Nichols from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. I don't think you, you haven't changed your handle, right? I know you've changed your name. No. You haven't actually changed the handle. Right. No, I haven't. Okay. I, I started, I realized it's been three months since Tara and I have done a show, <laughs> so I had to actually remember what was going on. Um, and really we're, we're coming to you tonight not because there's anything significant to talk about but we just felt like we should probably do something um we are in the middle as everybody knows of the lockout with mlb and uh, the owners tara we saw them get together somewhat this week and at least talk which was a step in the right direction it just doesn't seem like it was a very big step no, and I, I don't know that anyone could have really fooled themselves into believing that it would be based on the way these things have gone the last couple of years. Look, it's a frustrating time to try to care about baseball, which mm-hmm. is the the potential risk of a lockout like this, right? Is that you're going to lose some people who just decide this isn't really worth my energy and my time because, you know, here is this great debate between two sides that often feel like they live in a totally different universe than the rest of us. And that's part of the the challenge of talking about uh, a lockout in professional sports is part of the challenge of sort of trying to defend it from the perspective of, you know, either of these two parties in saying, no, really, this, this needs to happen. Like, does it really? But mm-hmm. it also then creates this void where, you know, we, we may know that eventually they're going to talk, but we've also seen the track record, particularly in the recent past, that things tend to get worse when they talk, not better. <laughs> so I don't know that there was a lot of um, optimism going into that conversation, at least as far as those of us peering in from the outside and hoping to hear some sort of news from it. I, to your point, yes, I think it's good that they are talking. I think the fact that the talking at this stage is no more than, hey, here's this offer we know you're not going to accept, but we're going to give it to you anyway. And then immediately saying, no thanks. Um, I don't know that that's really productive. I guess you, you got to start somewhere. And I, I know that there's like actual legal precedent to how these things have to go in, in terms of a negotiation. Um, so an offer has to officially be made before there can be a counter offer and, and all those things. I get it. Um, but it doesn't seem like it was a, a particularly um, useful time spent uh, beginning that conversation or, or kind of picking up wherever it was that it left off. Yeah. And I mean, that's to be expected from, especially from a group like the owners who have come and said, we need to lock the players out so we can spur our discussions. And then they don't talk for a month and a half. You know, I mean, uh, it's, you know, right now, would there be anything different if they had locked the players out? You know, I don't know that there would be, you know, and so um, that keeps the players from going on strike, I guess is the biggest thing that maybe right. that, that's what the owners are working for. But um, yeah, it's, you know, when we saw, you know, we talked about it at the time, you know, two years ago, in the middle of this, you know, raging pandemic, which is still raging, um, you know, when they couldn't come to some sort of agreement on how to play baseball that year, um, it kind of made you feel like it doesn't really matter what happens. Um, they're not going to, 
easily come by things. And here we are, you know, January 16th. Uh, we are, what, less than a month from when pitchers and catchers are supposed to report. Um, it really does not feel like that date is going to hold, does it? I, I can't see some sort of massive, oh, here we go, some sort of momentum and things get done and, and things, the calendar just stays the way it is. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I have no insider knowledge on these things, but I would feel pretty confident in saying what the two sides want is not a secret to the other side. Right. So, and I say that because it's entirely possible for someone to just say, hey, like, here's what'll get us to playing baseball and jump to that part of the negotiation rather than these dumb little back and forth steps that aren't going to accomplish anything. Again, I don't know what all the, the legality of that is and what the actual process has to look like. Um, but I feel like we're going to do this back and forth over and over again when we probably know where they're likely to end up. Or I should say they probably know where they're likely to end up in terms of, okay, we're going to give up this. They're going to give up that. We're going to give up this. They're going to give up that. And here's where we're going to end up at the end of all of this. Mm. Now, maybe not down to the to the finest details because that's what the, the whole negotiation process is for. But I, I have a hard time believing that at this point, when we've seen it coming for at least two years, yeah. uh, that the powers that be don't have a better grip on where it is that they're eventually going to end um so the the there's part of me that's totally uneducated on how this process has to go that would just be like can we just skip to the best and final (laughs) offer thing like we all already know what that's likely to be um maybe you win some small concessions along the way i guess i don't know but it shouldn't be a surprise what the players are asking for. It shouldn't be surprised what the owners are pushing back against. Um, so more effective than just the public back and forth would be coming to the actual resolution of where can we meet in the middle of all of this? That said, no, I don't think we start on time because I think they're going to do the public back and forth because there's a publicity angle to this as well, right? This is not entirely about getting a deal done that allows for certain things for both sides. This is about gaining the support or the public interest in one, you know, on, on one side of this or the other. And that's all a part of the game that they're playing that gets frustrating. We saw it with the pandemic stuff. There was, there was a lot of conversation then about, does this really need to be playing out in the public the way that it is? Mm -hmm. Like, why are they making these grand announcements on Twitter instead of just actually picking up the phone and calling the representative for the other part? Like they have lawyers for that. Why is this happening on Twitter? (laughs) Um, It seemed very strange in the sense that it was, it seemed very, uh, very intentional in an effort to gain support for one thing or the other. And I'm not entirely opposed to that as a tool, right? Because we've Mm. seen some of this with the minor league stuff that we all know I have a a totally different different level of interest (laughs) in. But some of that has come about, you will not convince me, that it had nothing to do with the public pressure that was placed on Major League Baseball especially when they rebooted the minor leagues and took control of all of those teams to actually make things better. And there was 
public outcry. There were also players who were willing to share their experiences and say, hey, we should be able to have better than this because we know what you're dealing with at the top. Um, So I know that that public side of things like this can be a really powerful tool in getting what you want. I'm not sure that it's going to have the same effect when rather than, hey, here's a bunch of minor leaguers who have to sleep eight people in a, you know, one room apartment where they have air mattresses on the floor and somebody sleeps in the closet. Like, that's a much easier sell to the general (laughs) public than how many millions of dollars do you want? Like that, it just, it doesn't play out the same way. So I don't know that there's going to be the same advantage to publicly going back and forth the way that there has been in some of these other things. And I think that's what's going to drag it out is trying to go back and forth in this PR battle sort of way, rather than just skipping to the conclusion we all know is where the real battle is going to be. Do you think also that the sides are more maybe polarized, maybe more entrenched than they have been in the past? I mean, we've seen a lot about from the players, especially because they're the ones on Twitter where you don't, you know, Bill DeWitt Jr. doesn't have a Twitter account that we know of. Um, and he's definitely not out there talking about, you know, business of baseball or anything of that nature if he does. But the players have seemed to be pretty pretty cognizant of the of what the system is like and what the system should be i mean we know we've seen jack flaherty talk about you know how the system is and how he kind of at least the impression is that he's gonna you know kind of go you know wait till get as much as he can out of it which he should i mean that's that's absolutely true it feels like maybe that those sides like the players are like we're not budging off of this that like maybe in the past they would have um, and the owners may be the same way. It's like, look, we've lost a lot of money over the last couple of years with COVID. We're not getting off of this. I, I wonder how much of that, I mean, at some point in time, yeah, there's a breakthrough and they, they hit that. But I wonder if that middle ground is just a lot bigger gap than it used to be. I think that's totally fair. I think that's also the way kind of the world is right now, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to be the person in the middle because we're told on every side of us, you have to be one or the other. You have to pick this or you have to pick that. Um, there's not a lot of room for gray area or compromise or coming together and hashing something out and working together to solve a problem. It's, you got to solve this my way and I want you to solve it this way. And that's the only way I'm going to allow. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think there is some incredible value in people having a voice in what their experience is like, right? That brings me back to the minor league thing. Part of the, I guess, injustice, and I people freak out every time I say that because they're like, oh, there are bigger things to worry about. Yes, I know. But in light of the <laughs> sports world, the injustice of a multi-billion dollar company uh, really taking advantage of the lowest level workers in ways that they don't have to in order to continue to be successful, I think is a fair conversation to have. And there's power in those people and those experiences having a voice in the conversation, right? Having a seat at the table. That's why there is this whole back and forth in the first place is because companies will by their very nature, take advantage of employees if there's no one to check them. And 
that's the the premise of a players union that can push back on that and fight for those employees in light of the way businesses tend to try to get away with as as much as they can to increase their profit that's the nature of business so i guess my point is that i agree there's so there's there's such a stark contrast in everything including baseball where people are willing to totally stake everything that they are and everything that they have on their perspective on what they feel is right and there's this balance to be found in defending yourself in standing up for one another in fighting for what you believe to be right and not losing sight of the fact that the the end goal is to make things better <laughs> at the end of the day so the negotiating process doesn't have to be about well how much did we get did we win did we give up too much um but more about hey how much better did we make this for people um but that doesn't seem to be the way things go these days and it's hard <laughs> i'm i'm hesitating even in trying to explain my thought here because it's hard to well, because, you know, if you if you even remotely say anything, if we even really mm. remotely say anything that sounds like it's not 100 percent fully behind the players, somebody's going to come at you for that. You know, it's so, it, it's even hard to say, like, I think the point of this is a negotiation, not a, a you know, draw my line in the sand and uh, not accept anything else. But I also see a tremendous value in when you see a system that is broken and is not working the way that it should with all of the pieces in mind to for someone to say hey look this is not acceptable anymore and this needs to change in order to benefit everyone in the process not just the people at the very top and there is a huge push in our world right now mm -hmm. to recognize those people who are the backbone of whatever the organization is that don't always get uh and i should say that often don't get um the the piece of the success that they should in terms of the the work that they're putting in so yes i think the players have every reason to say hey look this <laughs> whole thing only works if we're as good as we are. <laughs> right. um, so if the whole thing only works if we're as good at this thing, which happens to be playing baseball, as we are, then we should be compensated for that. And we should be employed in a way that is not manipulative and is not unfair to all of the players involved. Um, but I think that it makes it really hard to discuss something like this lockout when there is this perception of I can't give an inch mm -hmm. in order to change the status quo for the better in the long run. That, that just makes it a hard conversation to have. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if there's, if there's no room to, to talk, then, you know, you're going to have these kind of long standoffs. Right. Um, I still feel fairly confident we have a, a season and I, I maybe a slightly delayed season, but I still, I mean, with the owners having lost so much money over, and I, I, 
having not brought in as much money, maybe that's the better way of saying it. I don't know how much they've lost, but they definitely have not had their productive years in 2020 and 2021 as they had, you know, even 18 and 19. Um, it makes me feel like at some point in time, they're going to say, we don't want to risk another partials season. And, you know, there's some of that perhaps, although I kind of feel like this huge wave of, of COVID that we're having right now will be kind of, tapering off by the time the season comes around it may not affect their their gate and things of that nature but you know they don't want to add in a, a possible lockout um into that mix as well so i feel like they get it done but you know how that how that comes about what it looks like and if anybody's actually going to be happy with it of course like you know what's that's the the key to any good negotiation if everybody walks away unhappy you've done your job <laughs> right, right? Exactly. i mean um that, that seems to be the case so um but i, I mean that's kind of my thinking I, I, I just can't see this right now it's really easy not to do anything because it's the winter and nothing would be happening anyway but as we get into late february or you know early february when people should be reporting and these players are trying to figure out where they're going to keep themselves in shape when they can't use team facilities um kind of feels like something is going to give somewhere along the way yeah well and, and like i said the things that the players union wants are not a secret i right. mean maybe there's some new things that we haven't heard of but you know in terms of the the years of control that a team has and mm -hmm. what that money looks like and when it shows up and how they can you know whatever that right. those have been things that we've talked about long before you know, we were this close to a, a lockout situation. So I have to believe that the the process is long and tedious, but it's not like either side is surprised by what these conversations look like and what the requests are, what the offers are, and even maybe what some of that back and forth is. There's a there's a method to this madness. Um, and yeah, in some in some ways, it kind of comes down to which side has the better uh, negotiators on the legal side of things, right? Who can mm -hmm. find the loophole or who can put on the most pressure here or who can come up with the the thing that is a breakthrough. Um, and we've we've talked in the past about okay maybe mlb is handling this in a certain way maybe the players union is handling it in a different way what's the better way to go about this and does it show uh you know a, a weakness or a strength in their strategy in these types of negotiations that's for other people to decide <laughs> because i'm not <laughs> versed enough in these sort of contract negotiation issues or, or, you know, union negotiation issues. Um, but the, the goal is for the circumstances to be better for the players. And yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about the guys that make the most money in baseball. Uh, but the reality is a, a large portion of this conversation isn't about the guys making the most money in baseball. Those guys are fine. They're, <laughs> they're not really concerned. I mean, not that they aren't concerned, but they're not right. really the reason that there is this ongoing battle, right? It's the guys mm -hmm. who are at the very bottom of the totem pole. And we're talking the very bottom of the totem pole in the minor leagues, as well as the lowest guys, um, the last guy on the roster on the last team in the big leagues, right? There's such a discrepancy for those guys. And that's a big piece of this puzzle. And that's a great place to stake your claim and say, look, hey, we should readjust because the world has changed a lot since the last time this this contract was was negotiated. And 
I, I don't, I don't imagine, like I said, that those requests, that those needs, that those pieces of this puzzle are a surprise to anyone. But I do think that, um, like you said, the owners aren't going to want to lose a whole season, but they've kind of proven that they're willing to take a hit in order to not give up more than they're comfortable giving up. Look, back in the the pandemic discussion, right? There, it, it got to the point where, and maybe this is why I feel a little bit um, annoyed by the whole back and forth, when it came down to the fact that they were only going to pay players for a certain amount of games. That was always the case. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to pay for more. They weren't going to, you know, so all the back and forth about salaries, all the back and forth about, you know, prorated and this and that, and the other shortening the season, making it long. The bottom line was always the bottom line. Like the bottom line was always, we're not going to pay for more than this. So mm-hmm. we're going to either delay this until that's the only number of dates that are left on the calendar, or we're going to agree to this number of games. Um, so they're not afraid to throw that around and push things off until they get to the number that they're comfortable with, which is unfortunately the the imbalance in that dynamic that makes it really hard to think that the owners aren't just the worst people ever, <laughs> <laughs> even in a bad well, situation, because we've seen them play that game before. Well, and, you know, again, it's painting with a broad brush. But pretty much all of these owners, and again, we they we we talk about owners like there's an individual, but there's you know obviously a large group of owners most of the time. But most of them, one, have more money than any player is going to ever establish, yeah. uh-huh. and two, have outside revenue streams. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Bill yeah. DeWitt, even though the lockout's going on is still collecting rent at one cardinal way and is still, you know, getting money from ballpark village and blah, 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 blah. I mean, there are expenses, there's other stuff. I'm not saying that's wrong, but he does have that coming in. Paul Goldschmidt doesn't, you know, I mean, granted he's, or maybe more appropriately Jack Flaherty or uh, Dylan Carlson doesn't. Um, They can only do so much. I mean, they could put on a camp, or something like that, but that's only going to bring in a little bit of, you know, here and there. You could go substitute teach apparently. Um, but, you know, I don't know how much that brings in. Probably not a whole lot to run around and play in PE. Um, but, you know, they don't have that other. Uh, and that's one of the reasons the owners can wait these guys out is right. because they have the streams that the other, the players don't. Yeah. And, you know, there's always been this back and forth about how, you know, the owners want to say that owning a, a sports franchise is not a, a huge revenue stream, right? This is something you do for other reasons. Well, okay, but it's a it's a hobby that pays you back a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I wish think, most of my hobbies did that. Right, right. If anyone else's hobbies paid them as much as baseball pays the owners, uh, I think we'd all just quit our jobs and have hobbies mm-hmm. for a living. Um, so that argument always falls a little flat. Yeah, maybe it's and here's the thing. Maybe it's not the thing that generates most of their income, which tells you a lot about how rich the owners are, right? If the if owning a baseball team is like the extra cash that they keep on hand throughout the year and not the thing that's paying most of their bills. I'm, I'm being clearly a little aggressive in making this point, but 
um, you're right. It's not going to hurt them the same way that it hurts the players. And that's why it gets so frustrating. And that's why, honestly, it's so easy to eventually take the side of the players, even if you aren't super pro millionaire fighting billionaire or whatever we want to call it. Right. Um, because the owners have way more going for them when baseball doesn't happen than any of the players do, whose entire livelihood is defined by whether or not they play baseball. Um, and you can make what you want of that and tell them, well, maybe they should have picked a different job and, and all those very dismissive things that people like to say. Um, but sports in this country and really around the world are a profession at this point in our lives. And trying to say that it isn't um, <laughs> is just ignoring what's really going on in the world because of all the money that's involved there. So the owners know what they're doing. Um, I would like to think that the players union knows what the owners are doing and is prepared for that so that it doesn't, so that they're not in a situation where they have the players association has zero leverage in order to kind of force the issue the other way. Cause right now the, the owners have all the leverage, right? They're the ones that locks the players out. They're the ones that get to decide apparently when to bring an offer to the table and, you know, you know how to proceed from there. So the the power dynamic presents a bit of an issue um but it it's i guess to get back to what you originally asked is that no i don't think they're the even owners want to lose an entire season um but i think they're less motivated to get something done than the players are for sure so we've you know had a, f- a fun and exciting 25 minutes of this show so far talking about all the depressing things that are going on. So let's end on maybe slightly less baseball, but still a little bit more interesting and more, more fun to talk about. Um, Cardinals, first of all, Cardinals signed um, some international players. That's great. Wonderful. We don't know, but these guys are 16, 17 years old. They're supposedly very good. Hopefully they will be at some point in time. I'm sure Kyle Reese is studying them right now. But more importantly, the the outfielder that they got from Korea, which we, again, with uh, uh, foreign names, I, I know better than to even try. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's how you're going to get it. This signing was probably the biggest signing we've seen in, I don't know when, because his agent brought his dog. <laughs> and I, I think to some point we were, I think there's some people that might've been hoping that they signed the dog instead. I, I don't know if that's like, if there's some sort of package deal, like put together. I mean, I was sort of hoping for like an Airbud the baseball version kind of thing going on. Like maybe uh, this dog and Harrison Bader in the outfield together. Uh, talk about like some golden flowing locks. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it does really feel like it's if anybody was going to put together put a dog in the outfield first, it'd probably be Pittsburgh. I mean, dogs gotta be mm. cheap. You know, you're just True. paying them in, in kibble. True. So. And pets. All the yeah. pets. And pets. Which yeah. Yeah. you know, they get a little distracted at times probably because of that, <laughs> you know. I know my dog, if I put my dog out in the outfield, they would want they would completely ignore the game because they would be running to like everybody in the stadium trying to get petted. Yes. So um it could backfire. But. Listen, lockout news comes down to 
kid who mashes home runs. Cool. Tell me about the dog. Yes. Right. Like that's where we are at this point. Um, yeah. And, you know, a, an agent who brings his dog to the signing is my kind of agent. So I hope he sticks the, around. The dog has his own Instagram account. Of course. I mean, that's I mean, the dog's apparently a big deal. From Who's what the celebrity here? The player or the dog? Halloween dog. I'm thinking the dog. Yeah. I'm thinking the yeah. dog. I mean, the player looks good. You know, hits a lot of home runs, big, big home runs, and um, should be a, a big, probably a really good prospect. But he he doesn't have his, you know, his own dog want, on Instagram account. What I want on the banner in St. Louis is the dog. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we have, as Cardinal fans, been very, very supportive of the translators. And it's only a step from that to the dogs, I think. I know. I mean, I am a huge proponent of every place of business having an office puppy. Um, yeah. Because, the blues. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine life not being better if there's a dog at work all the time. So, um, you know, I'm not, not arguing for uh, Henny to be the St. Louis Cardinals dog. I'm just saying, you know, if they want to start a trend and people bring their dogs around um you know more than the one dog day at the ballpark or whatever right, that, i right. think uh, i think i could get behind that i think that sounds like a good plan too um yeah. and then as referenced earlier harrison bader spent the day as a substitute teacher this week or last week um before he was named king of mardi gras and <laughs> apparently is now taking over st louis in general um how how interesting had that have to be that he shows up at a school? I mean, if you're a, I don't know what it was, middle school or something like that, you show up and Harrison Bader is your substitute teacher. I mean, that's a pretty good day, right? Yeah, it's funny. I wonder what towns in America look. I mean, I, I realize that Harrison Bader's not um, lacking in terms of being promoted. Uh, around the the baseball scene himself or others right but you know how it is when you see someone that's out of the context that you normally see them in especially if you're a kid and like maybe you watch sports but maybe it's not like your biggest what other what other towns in the country would have the same reaction to a guy walking in who you might know if you if you know him in context although i guess harrison bader is pretty recognizable um he's not but, exactly you know, a, a blending into the to the masses type person but i just i'm so curious if there are sports cities or i, sh- I should just say cities where you know they maybe they have multiple sports teams and it's it's not all eyes on the one baseball team uh mm-hmm. where there wouldn't have been quite the same reaction to a bunch of like elementary school kids uh who clearly know who he is and everything about him yeah but I, I if they do, I mean that's awesome. That's a story yeah. they can tell forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, granted, most off seasons, maybe they, you know, players aren't doing this because they're getting ready and you know all that kind of stuff. But it's kind of it was kind of neat. Um, just kind of that random thing that happens, and it was cool that it was a cardinal player that did it. And sounded sounded good. It was a good a good feel good story. Um, that I don't think uh, made it to the Cardinal website. So, um, you know, because they can't talk about players. I was going to say, I mean, he's a he's a current player, so they can't. Right. They can't tell us it's, these things. It is. I wonder if they can talk about the dog. 
Um, uh, I don't know. Let's see. They've got an article. <laughs> they've talked about the players. Okay. All right. That they did sign. Um, but they do not. Man, they do not Missing seem to have a picture out. of the dog. Missing out on a what... golden opportunity. Ah, uh, you went there. You went there. <laughs> um, this is where we have. This is where we have come to, friends. This is <laughs> this is the quality of podcast content you get right. when there's no actual baseball. To be fair, I think most people expected me to do that. So that's um, true. Yeah, that's true. So. Yeah. All right. Well, Tara and I will be back with you at some point. I don't <laughs> think it'll be three months. It probably won't necessarily be next week either, <laughs> uh, as you can. <laughs> there's only so much you can rehash, unless. Hey, maybe they, you know, they may have a settlement this week, in which case we'll we'll jump right back in the saddle. But uh, we'll be with you some point in time. So uh, until then, for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.